on today's player pool we are discussing micro game stacks micro game stacks what do you think i was gonna say we're talking about micro game stacks okay also we are going to go over contest selection got a couple tips there general lineup construction tips and tweaks today following it up with a complete preview of week eight main slate it's funny, Arthur Smith burns fantasy football players and sports bettors last week because we just don't get how things work. Now the Atlanta Falcons are in a whole lot of trouble, and now Arthur Smith's going to get an education from the commissioner about how money and support for the league works. Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboy. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. I am happy you are here for week eight of the NFL regular season. The main slate is on its way, kicking off at noon on Sunday. In case you didn't know that already, of course you do. If you're here, you've been playing DFS for at least a couple weeks. Some of you guys are brand new. Some of you guys are picking up DFS after a long time off. And some of you out there are just applying kind of your great already process and, and slipping in little pieces of this. That's great. Uh, whatever works for you, I'm just happy. You're happy and enjoying playing DFS, seeing that it is truly the real fantasy football contest. It's where we all figure out who knows ball and who doesn't. I strongly believe that. Anybody can play a draft and draft whoever Yahoo or ESPN ranks for them to draft in August, September, but can you follow the league and see the trends and see how these teams are trying to work trying to use certain pieces, certain players, trying to apply a game plan. I mean, can you see that just from your couch, just from your computer chair, watching the games, you know, looking at, you know, looking at all these stats and stuff. I mean, it, it, it really takes, it takes a true fan of the league to play DFS at this level. And um, for a while, it felt like maybe I was alone in that, in that it was just me and then a bunch of other people across the country that I'd never meet. Well, then I put this podcast out and what it's been two months maybe. And look at this community we've, we've been building together. It's, it's really something. So it's awesome. Be plugged in with me. I'm plugged into you. I'm plugged into this game and, and DFS. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, especially that's where I put a lot of my thoughts out. I just, you know, instead of texting it to my guys in group chats or I text my dad, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tweet it. To sometimes I will literally copy and paste what I texted into the group chat just into Twitter and post it just because I do want you guys from from Friday morning leading up to Sunday I want you knowing kind of where I'm developing or where I'm going and of course there's always a lot of value news and injury news things that will develop late that we always have to react to like last week with DK Metcalf being out late and we had Jackson Smith and Jigma sitting there perfect for a value wide receiver play at like 4,900. So little things like that develop between Friday and Sunday. So make sure you're plugged in again at player pool pod on Twitter X, whatever it's called now, same thing on Instagram. Uh, shoot me a message, you know, as we're building our lineups this week, I'm happy to help anyone who reaches out, uh, happy to help them out. So first thing before we get into what this slate looks like i want to keep tuning the idea behind lineup construction honestly i can give you my feelings on each player and it's already been proven some guys out there can take the other stance and it can be correct 
my player evaluations are my own, and I'm pretty strong about you guys got to go make your own player pools and your own player evaluations. But there are things during lineup construction I think that can mess people up. So first thing, this will be a shorter thing, but contest selection. This question came up again. Uh, this It came from Amanda, a newer listener. Hi, Amanda. Thank you for joining this uh, group in, in the player pool. Uh, happy to have you. But she asked, you know, hey, I have these beginner questions, or I'm sorry, these beginner contests, and how am I supposed to pick what I'm supposed to do? And I've already said before, those beginner contests were not a thing when I started playing DFS nine years ago. But I've seen them. You know, my father-in-law comes over, and he's in those now. And, and it looks like it's it's kind of like a hodgepodge. There's cash games. There's tournaments. But it looks like even the, the tournaments are like a couple hundred people. So here's what we're after in contest selection in DFS. We're after worth it payouts. So high payouts. Now I'm not talking $30,000 off a $1 entry, but you're looking for 15 to 25 X being realistic for you. If you have a good week, right? 25 X, 25 times your dollar. So that's why I focus so much on those hundred person multi-entry leagues, because one, it's a, if you win the whole thing, it's a 25 multiplier. But even if you get top five, one of your lineups top five, you're probably going to cover and then some anyway. So I already like that outcome. They let you enter three lineups in that 100 entry contest. And, um, and most people are doing that. So really, in reality, you're not facing down 97 other people. You're facing down more like 35 to 40. So if their line of thinking is completely off of your line of thinking and your line of thinking is the correct one that week, I mean, you're just taking the head off these contests right away so i know that there's 50 50s and there's double ups triple ups the millie maker all these other things i'm telling you especially the cash games 50 50s and double ups are known as cash games they are supposed to be easier to win so then the payouts are lower but if you're watching your tournament cash lines and those 50 50 cash lines you're going to find that they're not too far off and basically, if you are if you have all your stuff together to win the 50-50, you probably have your stuff together to win these leagues as well, too. So I think 50-50s at this stage of the game in DFS with how developed it is. I mean, we got guys now running 1,000 thousand, uh, events, uh, simulations of games to decide, uh, you know, which players to play. It's just too high-tech. It's too competitive now. I think the cash games, to me, are just dead. And they're just for people that are new, don't know what they're doing. And it does give the providers out there in kind of an easy bar to get over when they have to, you know, sell you something in their player picks article. They can just give you the obvious plays, great cash game, safe floor, high ceiling, you know, things like that. So, uh, yeah, stay away from those. It's just not worth your dollar to be in there, in my opinion. So, um, and then on the contest selection, the other thing that's also very important is you got to play even money, all of it, every, every line, if you're playing this Sunday, even if you're just messing around, I've even had guys be like, oh, I just entered this in like a quarter contest because it was funny. I think that's stupid. I think you absolutely, if you're putting a, a contest or a lineup out there that had your thoughts into it, you need to arm it up properly. So my thing is don't play that quarter, just a quarter, and then five other lineups, 30 bucks each or something like that. Because if you play that quarter and it wins the whole GPP, would have won the Millie Maker how are you going to live with yourself? Seriously. So <laughs> I just think play them all evenly for that one reason, for the nuclear outcome reason, right? But also you have to play even money 
in even in the same amount of contests too. So, you know, I play those leagues. They all have the same multiplier like price structure. So winning is twenty five times a dollar, right? Even if you're if it's a two dollar now, I'm winning fifty bucks. If it's a five dollar now, I'm winning one hundred twenty five. Oh God, was that right? One hundred twenty five. Yep, one hundred twenty five. You're taking DFS advice from me, by the way, with all my great uh, math skills. But but. Same, like you're playing $5, $10. So for me, you know, I've had weeks, and this is in the past. It's definitely adjusted, especially after my start this year. But I was playing, I'd be playing $90, $100 per lineup in these leagues. And yeah, you got it right. I'd be sitting there from Friday till Sunday, clicking the one, the two, the 10, the five, trying to make sure that all my numbers were lined up evenly. And more times than not, I can get five lineups even. Dead even. 90 bucks, all of them even, with like 80 of those dollars in those leagues, perfectly even. You want that. You want that through the entire season because this is going to be a season result. At least it is for me. So I have to have the same idea throughout. If I'm just popping here, undercutting myself here, we can't track this stuff and none of this stuff's going to be dependable. You've already seen, we've had a lot of variance in this early DFS season. It's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of chance and, and luck involved in this stuff. So where we can find these edges, right? This is what the player pool is. It gives you an edge. And, and, and everything I'm coaching you is trying to give you an edge. You still need all those edges just so that the one day, the luck, the chance swings your way as well, you dominate. And my thing, what I'm trying to do is put you in a position closer position so that when luck does fly by you, it scoops you up every time. The guy playing a quarter and then $5 in another lineup and $9 in another lineup, he is so far, so low on the ground that when luck flies by him, it's not going to be able to bend down there and pick him up. See what I'm saying? So even money in those lineups, every single lineup, no experimental lineups. Do not do that to yourself. I'm feeling weird today with authority. I feel like, I feel like I'm telling you what to do. I'm not. I mean, you, I mean the best by it. It's for your betterment. One thing I did for this, the, one of the biggest reasons I did this podcast is I've had a lot of friends over the years ask me how I do this and then, you know, ask me, can I get on board with you? Can I just play your lineups or stuff like that? And I've never let anybody just play my lineups or ride with me. I've even had one guy one time even offered me a certain amount of money. I will not say on this pod, but basically as a stake and that I would just run it almost like a portfolio separate and uh, I declined that as well because I never want anybody else's skin stake, you know, staked into the game with me. So I think because I think that would screw my head up and, and, and just disrupt my process. But uh, I am going to keep giving you all tips and keep trying to make you just great lineup builders. And then when I'm talking football and these players take it for what it's worth, maybe you agree with me. Maybe I set you on somebody. Maybe I don't. But another little exercise that you could do when you make your player pool is, you know, after you've made your player pool, so you have all four of your columns, it's all done, completely done. One thing I've kind of started to do just to help, because my as I get older, my time is becoming less and less. And I need to start just streamlining some of this, some of the brain, uh, you know, brain exercises that you need to do to build these lineups. So something I've started to do that I think just helps simplify and organize is I've created a new column on a different page. Now, this isn't part of the player pool, and I'm still figuring this out, but I think it kind of helps. But basically, new column on another page, looking at my player pool, and I just, it's a game stacks column, and it's basically just numbered. So it, it's going to show 
all the players. So, for example, the Rams-Cowboys game this week, of the guys that made my player pool and were highlighted as either a slate breaker or preferred, just those guys. There are guys that make my player pool that don't get a highlight, okay? But just the guys that are highlighted, I'm going to put in this game stacks thing because it's, it's kind of like – I'm kind of like Dr. Frankenstein, right? I'm in my laboratory and I need all my little tools and pieces and parts laying all around me as I build these lineups. And that's kind of what this game stack lineup is. It's the guys I'm going to play, right? Like I highlighted them. I have to play that them according to the player pool rules, right? So I'm just going to kind of put them all out there on paper so I know that, hey, I can stitch this guy, this these couple stacks or two guys out of this game, even though there's four guys total in that game, I can stitch two of these guys. Uh, you know, let's use the Cowboys-Rams game as an example. Hey, look, I can stack uh, Cooper Cup, Jake Ferguson with, uh, let's say, a Lamar, Zay Flowers, and Arizona Cardinal, uh, Trey McBride, the only guy that make my player pool from that team. It's things like that that really help. That's what you're already or should be already doing anyway. So... I kind of made a list this week, and I, I think it's appropriate. I'll just kind of go through it and tell you kind of how I envision myself kind of piecing this all together. Uh, and then the other column I got to here is called singles. So singles is guys that have no correlation partners on the other side of their, of their football game. Nobody on the opposing team is useful, <clears throat> New England Patriots. So... But back to my game stack. Let's just look at it for for a second. Just I'll kind of tell you how I envision me using these parts to build my Frankenstein monster. So I said it three times now, but Rams, Cowboys, five guys in that in that game, and I'll cover that when we go through the games, kind of how I see that happening. But it it's nice to know that you know I I got I got options here. So quickly doing a lineup build, there's only two quarterbacks this week that I had that had some run back options on the other side of their football game, somebody who made my player pool. I'm going to use Lamar Jackson, the Ravens at Arizona game as an example here. So down here I already have it. So I, let's say I have Lamar and Zay Flowers. There's my, there's my cute little stack. And with Lamar, you really don't want to overstack with Lamar. Uh, pretty limited in terms of fantasy production from his pass catchers even, even after last week. So there we are, Lamar, Zay Flowers, and then Trey McBride. Bam, there's my little cute game stack. Now I'm like, okay, now it's time to get more of those highlighted players in because the last thing I want is to build my four to five lineups and then go back and check to see if I got everybody and, I'm, and there's still like four guys that I haven't gotten the lineups. This is supposed to try to combat that. So now I'm looking and I'm like, okay, all right, there's Cooper Cup. In the Rams game in the and the uh, against the Cowboys, I'll do let's see Pollard because I need a running back in here, and then I can't do Cup. He's too expensive. So bam, Puka Nakua is in here. Great lineups built. Now it's looking a little thin though. I'm still looking at my game stack line though because this is where I can kill a lot of these options out of my list. Anything else here? Anything else I need? Okay, number five here. I have seven of these I wrote out, but five I got. Tyler Lockett, again, please don't burn me again, Tyler Lockett. And, oh, Njoku, he's a tight end. I don't want to play a second tight end. Okay, let's leave that little mini game stack away for a second. Here, let's go to, let's go to a big well. It's going to be a big well this week. Now I'm looking at the Saints at Colts matchup. Colts, easy pass defense to attack. So a lot of Saints pass catchers getting options here. But Colts have some usable pieces too, including... 
Jonathan Taylor this week. So I got five options. Kamara, Alave, and Michael Thomas purely on a value level, okay? So from here, though, I can get pretty cool, and I can go Kamara. And then let's go back to the well a little bit and Josh Downs on the other side of the ball. So look what I've done there. Through this, I basically got all of my choices except for a flex and my defense. Ain't that something. And by now, as I'm building a lineup, the defense should already be set. So because I did this a little out of order, let's go ahead and just look at my player pool again. And, you know, for correlation's sake, let's put the tempting running back value play of the week in a horrible matchup and facing a horrible game script. But Imari DiMercato, Arizona, running back, rounds out that, you know, now bigger game stack with four total players in that game. And that leaves me 4,400. Looking at the best defensive option, bam. New York Jets at New York Giants. Yes, I'll ride the Jets. Incredibly talented defense against that terrible Giants offense. 4,400. And that's a lineup built. And as you go, you're like, ugh. You went Trey McBride. Who's that at tight end? Ooh, Imari DiMercato. Individually, all these kind of sound gross. So most of them do. I can give you that. But let's, let's review this lineup now before we play it. And let's see how we would look at it as a whole. Now, again, remember, here I have, I have Lamar, Tony Pollard. Alvin Kamara, Uka Nakua, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, Trey McBride, Imari DiMercato, and the Jets. This is the lineup. But look how it all kind of interconnects there, right? I got Lamar and Zay Flowers going against Trey McBride and DiMercato. I mean, if the Ravens got to score 30 points, it's only because Arizona scored 21, right? So you're covering a lot of those options there. That's It's kind of like uh, you're trying to get a good bonfire going here. You know, these, these, these crappy Arizona plays, they're kind of the fire starter. You just kind of slide in there and, and, and you know, set a light and then pretend like you started that fire like a real man. Uh, that's what these Arizona Cardinal players are kind of like there. So look at that. Four. Beautiful correlation. Now let's go, let's go deeper. Like it's uh, Inception here with Leo. Deeper we go. Here's Tony Pollard, who everyone loved as a stud at the beginning of the year. Remember what I said would happen to this Cowboys offense via Mike McCarthy. Wasn't wrong about that. But anyway, no, he's a good option this week. 7,600, damn near a value play given the amount of touches he's going to get at home, right? So there's Pollard and Puka Nakua. Perfect. Two stud players. They should feed off each other. No matter how the game script goes, it's going to be positive for both. That's good. But wait, there's more because we didn't stack. We, don't have, we didn't stack two games and have two games with potential great correlation. We went three. So Alvin Kamara... He has 28 targets in the last two weeks. 28. Alvin Kamara at Indy, and he's got Josh Downs, who has been the best Colts receiver the last three weeks anyway. So individually, these plays look almost nightmarish or like they're very unsafe. But when you look at how they correlate, that's where you see how we get so much fuel into the rocket ship. Because if these games go the way... That, that they need to go for, for there to be a lot of fruit, for there to be a lot of offense scoring. If they all swing that way, it's just one of those weeks, and they all swing the way and score, these guys are going to eat. And, this, and, and these guys have to be kind of prompted by the right game script for them really to go off. If Baltimore jumps out to a 24 nothing lead in the, first, in the first half this Sunday and two of those touchdowns come from their four running backs, then the line's shot anyway. It's only going to be there 
if these players are challenged by their opponent. So, so I'm really big on game stacks. That's where I'm even really big on the micro game stacks, just little ones. And you'd be surprised how often those pay off. So I hope this was helpful. I'm going to keep kind of getting the more of the philosophy of lineup building more throughout the season. I'll keep kind of touching base with you guys to see if you enjoyed it. Uh, but that's, that's kind of how I come to these lineup builds. And the more you work it, it's just kind of like, again, it's like you've, you're, you're, you're Dr. Frankenstein, you're in your, your lab, and all these parts are laying around. It's up to you to stitch them together. But they're not going to change their shape. You have to figure out how they all fit together perfectly. So get spooky, get out there, create some lineups the right way. All right, let's take a look. Let's see what's on the menu for Week 8 Main Slate. Taking a look at the first game. I think I've mentioned it for like the fourth or fifth time already, but Rams at Cowboys. I could see this game bogging a lot of players down because it looks attractive till you look at the point total, projected point total, 45 and a half. And the Cowboys are favored almost by a touchdown, which if Vegas has another team favored over an NFL team by a touchdown, that should kind of tell you which tiers uh, you know the, the Vegas experts kind of see these two teams in. So Rams, obviously big underdogs on the road. First thing I think can trip you up is this running back situation. I'm going to tell you, it's pretty much unchanged from last week. Yes, Daryl Henderson got 18 touches last week after, I think, being back to work for five days. Incredible. But Royce Freeman also got 12, and you just never know when the young pup, Zach Evans, is going to slip in here. It's a bad matchup facing a negative game script. Why? Why even join that? What am I going to say? Don't play the bad game a whack-a-mole. So I would skip over those running backs. I understand if you're attracted to the 5,900 price uh, for Daryl Henderson, always desperate for value, but there's value elsewhere this week. So don't get too desperate. And then the other just knife in the side here is Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Which one do you play? And the answer is both. You got to play both. Spread them around your lineups. I don't think you have to go crazy and play Stafford and Cup and Nakua in the same lineup. I think you just need to burn that lineup right away. You, you would do that only to make yourself feel better that you played the guys you had to play in one single lineup. But it's, that's just not the way to go. One of these guys is going to be successful this week. Maybe the other one could be moderately successful, but you got to pay for both. So get them both in, get them in separately. The only thing else I kind of see interesting on the Rams side is uh, Tyler Higby at tight end is 4,800. There are a ton of great bargain bin options this week, but 4,800, a little lower than normal for Higby, although he, he he's anywhere from two targets to nine a game, so play that if you like. Um, on the Cowboys side, Dak Prescott has not been a fantasy football quarterback at all this year, sadly. It looks like he is uh, on some significant reg regression courtesy of the Mike McCarthy experience, sad to see. Tony Pollard, he's kind of like ETN, Travis ETN at this point, just so much stinking volume being shoved through that guy he, he can't you you have to play i don't care if he's going to be running at aaron donald all afternoon play the guy 7600 that's a gift going down cd lamb i honestly when i was putting him i was writing him into my player pool he did make my player pool but then i was starting to write the stud label next to him and i'm like is he is he a stud it's kind of quiet and this price is still kind of hovering up there but yeah, C.D. Lamb, if it's just off opportunity, that's what's keeping Devontae Adams in my in my lineups, right? He's a stud. 
Uh, you you got to still play him, although it's just not as fun. The one I really like on the Cowboys this week, though, is Jake Ferguson, 4,900. Dak has those games where they just spike and the tight end does get the you know nine target range. And at 4,900, FanDuel's acting like Jake Ferguson hasn't already done this this year. He's had games of four targets, seven targets, and seven again. So it'd be nice to see him creep up there. Now, he's also had one game with just a single target, but he caught it. So you know you're going to get something out of him, and you could get you know seven-plus targets anyway. So I, I do like Jake Ferguson a lot this week, and I could see him being in not just one, but maybe even two of my lineups, especially with so many players in this game that you're going to have to add in. He's just a nice little pairing partner for all these other little players. Next, uh, Patriots at Dolphins. Understandably, Dolphins are favored massively. Nine and a half point favorites. 28 points projected by the Dolphins. So you got to focus with this team. You have to focus on what their projected points are, not what the game total is, which is 46 and a half. Uh, because the Dolphins can just you know absolutely torch this team. Now, they these two teams played just a little bit ago. And I was definitely one. I dutifully played my slate breaker, Tyreek Hill. I'm going to rename the the title after him when he retires. you got to play your Tyreek Hills. Ew, doesn't really roll off the tongue. We're going to stick with slate breakers. But the Mike McDaniels took it to the Patriots last game, and they just killed him with the with the Raheem Mostert, right? Mostert had, I believe, over 20 fantasy points, a couple touchdowns, 110, 15-plus yards. So are they going to do that again, or is that going to make Belichick's team play honest? Quite frankly, you don't need to know the answer to that question because you're playing Tyree Kill no matter what, right? Then you got Jalen Waddle. You can sprinkle him in somewhere. His price at 7100 doesn't kill you. The the price that does kill you is Mostert at 9K. I don't know what you do with that. Maybe you kind of make a lineup with all the nice, solid value plays you can and then add Mostert and maybe one or two other high-end studs. I'm not sure. Quite frankly, I don't know if Mostert, he got in my player pool. I'm not sure if he's getting in my lineups this week. Super tough play. We all know there's nothing on the Patriots to look at. Moving on. Another good game where maybe there's not a whole lot to look at. Vikings at Green Bay playing the Packers. Vikings on the road are favorites, which also should tell you something of how Vegas thinks of these two teams. Uh, favorites only by one and a half points, though. Uh, total point spread here are projected points, 41 and a half. It's being viewed as a low-scoring game right now. This there's not a lot to like in this game other than Jordan Addison and maybe some TJ Hawkinson whose price did not balloon up too high. The true benefactor of Justin Jefferson's absence is truly TJ Hawkinson. His targets are way up since Justin Jefferson was injured last week. 12 targets, 11 catches, only 14 points, but those could go somewhere. 11 touches in the past game, that could go anywhere. And we're all lucky that Hawkinson didn't challenge Kelsey last week for top scoring tight end with that many, that much opportunity. So if you want Hawkinson at 6,500, I don't fully blame you. Now I'm going to do everything I can to not pay up at tight end. But the darling of this game I really love is Jordan Addison. He's looking like he's on his way to being a stud receiver. 10 targets, 7 catches. He is the man. And that was against the 49ers too. So now he's going to Green Bay, which... Quite frankly, Swiss cheese defense this year, the year before, the year before that, the year before that. So Addison could be in line to torch. The rest of the Vikings team, kind of scary, right? Kirk Cousins is the Kirk Cousins line. He's not necessarily a value play, so he's got to throw three touchdowns or 350 yards for you to 
you know, have it all make sense. Not sure that's even going to be needed in this game playing against the Packers. Now, on the Packers side of the ball, it's a lot of teasing going on over here. I got teased finally into playing a naked Jordan Love lineup last week, and it burnt me pretty hard. I think it's just a big development team right now this year. Not a very talented football team, and most of their money, most of their salary cap isn't even playing football this year. They're paying a lot of guys who are you know, sitting in the medical tent or just on injured reserve or just aren't there anymore. So just a big rebuilding year for the Packers. We keep getting teased with Aaron Jones, but which version of Aaron Jones are, are you really going to get, right? You're going to get the guy who's a true game-time decision and then doesn't play, or are you going to get the guy that does play, but then Matt LaFleur doesn't give him enough touches to make sense? It's just it hasn't made sense for, honestly, since LaFleur's been there. I, I think I'm kind of done on the Aaron Jones uh, you know, saga, at least in DFS, at least till he moves on to a different team. Kansas City Chiefs, make a call. But I, th- I think it's done. Don't, don't tease yourself anymore. And also, we've all seen Christian Watson. We've all seen him catch multiple touchdowns two weeks in a row last year. We've also seen him drop you know, an easy touchdown on a go route from the first, I think it was the first play scrimmage from last year. We've seen it all from him, but at the end of the day, I haven't seen him be able to wear an NFL hit and, and keep playing football. So I just, I'm really down on the, on the Packers, you know, pass catchers here. The only piece I truly like out of this bunch, Jaden Reed, 5,800. Christian Watson left the game last week hurt. Assuming with his history, he's not a quick healer. Jaden Reed, if, if Watson's out, Jaden Reed's one of your best value plays on the slate at wide receiver, and he pairs nicely over there with Addison. Jumping back over real quick because I just noticed I didn't really speak on the running back situation with the Vikings. Again, another situation you just don't need a part of, in my opinion. You can have either very inefficient runner Madison at a discount, 6,100, but they very well could give Cam Akers those 12 to 13 touches, which makes playing Madison you know, make no sense. So avoid, avoid, avoid. Let other people... Gamble on that and lose. Next game, Battle of the Rookie Quarterbacks. Houston Texans going to the Carolina Panthers. Projected points in this game, 43 and a half. You have to wonder. One thing I love, especially in NFL DFS, is guys will be like, oh, this guy's more motivated this week because, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm sure Bryce Young is going to be very motivated to show his own coach that he was the better quarterback choice and not C.J. Stroud. If you hadn't heard, Frank Reich had kind of let on that the choice to draft Bryce Young over Stroud was the owner's decision, not his. So not great, not great, Frank Reich. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's tough to wear. So but back to this whole motivation thing. These guys are playing NFL football as adults. These guys, when they're on the field, are fully gassed up and ready to go. If they weren't, they would have been killed a long time ago in this game. These guys are ready to go. They, they don't need extra motivation. It doesn't matter if Taylor Swift is in the stands. They are playing lights out every time as best, you know, as, as hard as they can. So I'm not going to buy into he's more motivated this week. He's a rookie. He should be very motivated to not get crushed out there every time he plays. Uh, as far as this game goes, I saw this matchup and I was like, oh, yay, I can play Damian Pierce. I love playing him last year. Only to see his price is 6700 on FanDuel. That's no value play there. That means you're paying for it, and he's still running behind a terrible offensive line, especially when it comes to run blocking. I just don't love it. As much as I love Damian Pierce, the football player, I hate what he's running through right now. 
He's made my player pool. He is not highlighted. Maybe if I am looking for exactly 6,700 at the flex position, he makes it. Other than that, Nico Collins and Tank Dell, also my player pool, also would make my lineup along those lines. I'm looking for that exact price at that exact position because there's nothing to me, again, on the Panther side of the ball worth targeting. If you really want to go after Adam Thielen and his 8,200 price, go for it. He's not projected for high ownership this week. It's a great GPP play for you. I just think that guy's been living in his ceiling. Hell, he's been living in the attic the last couple, uh, the last month, really, of football. To me, it's just not a sustainable thing. But he's proven me wrong a couple weeks. Maybe he can keep that going. I will not have a stake in him this week. Next game, Atlanta Falcons at Tennessee Titans. Oh, boy, is the score projected low for this game. 35.5 points. That's... That's bad. <laughs> That's really bad. Atlanta and their wacky anti-fantasy football head coach, Arthur Smith, are favorites on the road in this game. Two-and-a-half-point favorites. Yikes. That's kind of like an indictment on them for what they did to fantasy football last week with B. John Robinson. But the Titans are only projected for a measly 16-and-a-half. So it's going to be kind of a shit show unless, unless they just unlock Derrick Henry and give him 30 carries, which is exactly exactly what I think is going to happen. And here's why. If they are truly trying to trade Derrick Henley as that's been floating around, and if you notice a lot of the people online, a lot of the analysts, everyone's like, you better sell Derrick Henry. It's, you know, the sun's getting real low on Derrick Henry. He, isn't, he has not done anything this year to warrant any of that other than be running back 14, running back 13, running back 66. That was a bad week. Running back 7, running back 26, running back 5. So far through this season. The guy still has it. Or at least if you're the Titans front office, that's what you have to show, right? That he still has it. So if he's truly on the trade market, which would seem obvious after the Titans moved off from their all pro safety this past week, if he's still in the market, then this is the feature game against a young Atlanta team for old King Henry to come out and shine. So I think he should at least be in your player pool. And at eight K, there's worse prices out there. For players of his caliber, there just are. So, throughout the rest of that, though, and actually back to Henry again, everyone wants to go Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears, oh my gosh, he's lurking, he's lurking, he's getting into his into his workload. Last week, four rush attempts, one target, Tajay Spears. That's, that's what we're dealing with. That's the big threat to King Henry. I, I'm not threatened, not yet. I like him this week. I'm kind of alone there, and that's why I'm so defensive. Anyway, uh... The rest of this, honestly, I kind of blanked the Falcons on this one, except for, and I'll say it, I will join all you psychos who love this guy's name, Drake London. He made my player pool. He's even listed in as a little micro game stack because everyone knows that the Tennessee Titans run defense is one of the league's best, and their pass defense as a result is one of the league's worst. And now they just lost one of the best players out of their secondary Give me Drake London against this at 6,700 one time, one time, and let's see what happens. I'm sure it's just going to be a lot of touchdown passes to Johnny Smith, but let's see what happens. Other than that, Bijan Robinson is at 7,100. Do you want to play with that fire again? I don't know if it was necessarily his choice. It wasn't the player that screwed you last week. It was a head coach. So 7,100 is a nice price, but it's a negative matchup. That's tough. That's tough. And if Bijan just breaks one big run, one big score, then we all look you know, pretty stupid for not playing him. So 
think he's got to be in your player pool at least. I'm I'm still right now undecided if he's going to actually make a lineup or not or be highlighted as a preferred player by me. That's oh another oh sorry I keep thinking we're leaving this Falcons Titans game but we're not. Another player I love this week is Chig Akonkwu tight end 4700. I like I like my Akonkwu at 40 <laughs> 4700. I think it's such a bargain bin price. We got a, a rookie quarterback throwing. One thing I know about rookie quarterbacks is they suck and they throw to their tight ends out of fear, right? So here comes a Conquu at a great price, great athlete. He's going to look wide open to Levi, uh, Will Levis all all day, whether he is or not. So, all right, moving on here. New York Jets at New York Giants. This one should be fun. I'm surprised this doesn't make the primetime game. I got to watch the Giants get their asses kicked on every other primetime game, but the Battle of New York doesn't make primetime. Interesting. Okay, I like some players out of here. I like Brees Hall here. Uh, I think they're going to use him to abuse him because this game is important to these guys. The Jets still think Aaron Rodgers is going to come back and that they need to be in a position to make a playoff run. I think that's insane, but that's what they think. So they're, they're going to unleash everything they have, including Brees Hall, who has knocked Dalvin Cook so far down the depth chart, he's now on the trade block as of last week. So Brees Hall is going to get every opportunity to eat this Giants defense. The other player I like here is Zach Wilson equals Tyler Conklin at tight end. Another bargain bin option. The rest, it's kind of hit and miss. Wilson's not good enough to make Garrett Wilson. I'm sorry, Zach Wilson. Zach is not good enough to make Garrett Garrett Wilson good enough. Wilson and Wilson. Man, be a great law firm name. On the Giants side, this is actually just such a terrible matchup because the Jets are so good on defense. This is one week where I think you're safe to wipe away a potential slate breaker. I don't know where you're defining Saquon Barkley at this point in his career. To me, he's still a slate breaker eh, on the edge. But this is a week to get a free free uh, escape from him. I think he's going to be uh, in a negative game script and a, just one of the worst matchups you know, imaginable. So a lot of inefficient running, which has been kind of Saquon Barkley's experience so far this year. And with his contract situation still kind of lurking like a dark shadow seems to me like it doesn't take a whole lot for him to kind of be knocked out of games for a while if you kind of killing time a little bit so yeah just not something i need this week moving on new orleans saints indianapolis colts this game reminds me of that old toolbox in your grandpa your dad's garage and no matter how much you pull out of it everything else you need is still in there you can use a lot of players from this game to kind of fill in your lineups elsewhere, I think, because both quarterbacks in this game are unusable. I don't care how many more times Gardner Minshew is going to rush into the end zone and do a little shimmy like he did twice last week. That's unsustainable, <laughs> but usable pieces out of here. Alvin Kamara, usable. Chris Olave, as long as that whole little arrest drama hasn't messed him up mentally or anything, he should feast against this Colts secondary. And I even like Michael Thomas as purely a value help me play right only 6k if he gets five to seven targets and it's going to be it's a soft pass defense right maybe Olave's burning it down the field Michael Thomas is a guy that's just living fat in the middle you know I could see that kind of outcome here so I do like Michael Thomas just a little bit this week and uh, if I hadn't mentioned already Kamara 28 targets over the last two weeks insane play him that also says something about Derek Carr doesn't it oh boy all right Colts Jonathan Taylor got a solid running back workload last week. It's not the best matchup. This defense is pretty stiff, but 
How great is Jonathan Taylor? I don't think any of us actually know that yet. He's been great. So let's see how great he is. I think he warrants at least one play, especially with so many good correlation options on the other side. And then Michael Pittman kind of made some news this week. He's bitching about not getting a lot of targets. We did see when Devontae Adams bitched. He got a ton of targets for a whopping nine fantasy points. I don't know. He's still priced so stiffly at 7,100. I just like Josh Downs a whole lot more at 6,100. Again, these are plays that you're playing just to enable things within your lineup. So these don't necessarily have to be the the highest scores on the slate, but they just can't let you down. To me, it just makes more sense that Josh Down hits 2x value at 6,100 than Michael Pittman hitting 2x at 7,100 with Gardner Minshew throwing to him against a pretty tough Saints defense and a guy named Marshawn Lattimore opposite of Pittman all day. I just think eh, it's more likely than not that Downs is going to have the better day still. Moving on, the juggernaut, Philadelphia Eagles. They're so stinking good. Even Julio Jones joined them just so he can get a ring finally. Eagles look like they're heading to the Super Bowl. They are marching to the Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, the usual suspects here, you got to play Hurts, you got to play Swift, you got to play A.J. Brown somewhere. Devontae Smith, you're starting to become okay. There's going to be a correction game coming for him where they make an effort. He's going to have that game, 111 yards, two touchdowns. It's somewhere in the future. But kind of unpredictable when it comes. And with the player pool and playing DFS and playing these leagues, you don't need to get down in the dirt so deep for that and really find deep, dark sleepers. You want sure things in this stuff. So I like Hurts, Swift, and Brown. You can get weird with Devontae. He can at least make it in your player pool. And if his number makes sense, that's fine. The issue this week is there's nobody on the commanders that I like or that could be a good run back option. So take that for what it is. Uh, Dallas, go dirt. He's there at 6,200, just way too high priced of a tight end. But if you get excited when you see him catch his eight-yard pass and scample for for five more yards and want to play him, go for it. But I don't know, pretty touchdown dependent by me. Basically, his touchdowns mean that the true stacks just aren't succeeding and the fish are going to survive another week. That's, That's how I see it. But you don't have to agree with me on everything. Most people don't. Next game, Jaguars at Steelers. Man, do I not have a lot of faith in the fantasy quarterback that is Trevor Lawrence. As a quarterback in real football, I think the guy moves the needle. But not somebody I'm desperate to get to. This game's pretty weird because the Steelers carry with them a reputation of tough defense, right? You don't want to mess with the Steelers' defense. Now, nobody's really talking about how this year that's not necessarily true. But this defense is turning the ball over, getting the ball back so often it's masking how many yards they're giving up on the field. So with that said, what do you do with it? It's kind of tough. The guys on the Jags who I like, ETN, Ridley, who's let a lot of people down this year, Kirk and even Ingram, they're all going to be in my player pool. Not all of them are highlighted. In fact, none of them are. But single individual players, I would be happy to sprinkle around. But I'll be a little risky this week. And maybe just be a little lighter on the Jags than I normally would, just given the uncertainty of the matchup. There's no uh, uncertainty when it comes to picking the Steelers players to choose from because there are none. Moving on, Cleveland Browns at Seattle Seahawks. The Cleveland days of our lives Browns. What a drama shit show that's going on over there. XFL MVP hero, P.J. Walker's going to get another start. This is It's great television, let me tell you. Yikes. Jerome Ford is out. Kareem Hunt, Pierre Strong, I looked at it. Seems to me like they have about even playing time. Pierre Strong with the slight edge, although he's 
hundred less on FanDuel. Just given both the travel, they're going across the country, they're on the road, and the Seattle Seahawks have a pretty solid run defense. With the uncertainty involved as well, I'm just not really looking at the Cleveland backfield at all. And with P.J. Walker slinging the pigskin, the only player I see as usable on this entire offense is David Njoku, 5,100. They have a sense in that game plan to get him the ball. I really like that about him. He's a great athlete, and he's healed up from that unfortunate burn uh, situation he had going on a couple weeks ago. So nice to see that there. And then on the Seahawks side, I'm going to approach them kind of differently too because here comes this Cleveland Brown defense, which I think is still just incredibly talented. Miles Garrett is an absolute force, and I keep watching the Seattle Seahawks team be a little disjointed in the past game. Geno Smith's looking like Geno Smith Smith of the first 10 years of his career, not so much last year. It just looks disjointed, and then here comes the Browns team, who is great at stopping the run, which is the only thing that Seattle does well. So pretty limited for me. I actually didn't have Kenneth Walker make my player pool, shockingly. And then the only player I did have make my pool is Tyler Lockett. Keeping an eye on DK Metcalf's status if he's out. And, of course, Smith and Jigma will make my player pool as well. But if Seattle's going to win this game or have a chance, it's only going to be through getting the ball, working it through Tyler Lockett in uncomfortable places. I mean, they're going to do a good job of bracketing Metcalf, preventing him from blowing the game up because the Browns know very well they cannot be down two scores early. So they're going to remove Metcalf, and they're going to dare Geno to fit you know, nine completions into Lockett and beat him that way. So that's why I like Lockett only this week. And, uh, yeah, not much to say here. It's also a very low projected scoring game, 38.5 points. So you don't want too much. Uh, you don't want too many slices of that pie. Uh, moving on, Cincinnati Bengals at San Francisco 49ers. Interesting game. Not only because Joe Burrow looks like he is fully back, fully back, but Sam Darnold starting over Brock Purdy, who is out with, I think, concussion uh, um, symptoms. So hopefully Brock Purdy gets healthy and gets back into the starting gig there. But Sam Darnold now has an opportunity to show that anybody can do it in this Shanahan offense. We'll, We'll find that out for sure, maybe, this week. Bengals defense is tough. Bend, not break, but they they can be beaten, right? So on the Bengals side, it's the same old guys. Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon at sixty five hundred. That's the that's the price he deserves for how he's played this year. We still made my pool. He probably makes it into a lineup at that price. And then Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Jamar Chase, of course, you're paying for the ceiling at eighty five hundred. But T Higgins is coming off some pretty low scoring games and an injury. But Joe Burrow's fully back, and if T. Higgins is comfortable when he plays this football game, I think he is a sneaky eruption play this week. So I will be getting a share of T. Higgins heading into this week. On the other side here, it's not some schmuck playing at quarterback for the 49ers. I mean, it's probably not that big of a drop-off between Purdy and Darnold. So that does keep guys like Kittle and Ayuk somewhat considerable. But we all know what this is going to be. 28 touches of CMC, Christian McCaffrey, who should be in the MVP discussion. I wish journalists just put a little bit more effort into what they covered instead of just defaulting the MVP award to only quarterbacks now. It's ridiculous. Christian McCaffrey is having a Ladanian Tomlinson MVP type year, and he is still not even top five favorite in MVP odds. It's it's so ridiculous that the MVP award has just turned into an automatic quarterback award. 
just try a little harder, voters. Whoever gets the vote on that, come on. Just apply the brain just a little bit. We'll click on that too, I promise. We'll click. We'll click. You make Christian McCaffrey the MVP, I'll click on your article, I promise. All right. That's all I like out of this game, though. I actually, I'm not going to consider too strongly Ayuk. I know there's some people out there that like him. And Kittle at 6,100, he's just in that right in that zone of price range where if you have some leftover cash, maybe you kind of work your way up to him and enrich yourself at the tight end position. All right, two more games to go here. We got, I got to say something. When I was building my, my player pool and I saw this game, it was kind of tucked in late in the afternoon towards the end. And I went, oh, no, because I thought this was going to be a really easy slate. Silly me. Nope, here's Kansas City Chiefs stomping in to the Denver Broncos. They are only seven-and-a-half-point favorites. Because the Broncos have started to play more like a football team in the last couple weeks, I still expect the momentum wave of Mahomes Andy Reid, Kelsey, Taylor Swift, and this Kansas City Chiefs team to come in here and just eviscerate the Broncos. So you got to get to some people in this, and it's going to be hard. Mahomes is priced at 9 k Pacheco, 7400 Rasheed Rice, who starting to become a dependable option to play, and at 6 k that's a low enough price. He still doesn't burn you if he just does an average day. So I do like Rasheed Rice, and he made it in my player pool. And then there's Travis Kelsey, and if you played him last week, you were the victor. Congratulations. But at 9K, what are you doing? Is he really getting two and a half times that? If he does get you that, did that really preserve or help your lineup? I don't, I just don't see it. I And I and I lost last week because I didn't play Travis Kelsey, but I think that that was still the like not the right play. Um, but that's just me sticking to my guns and, and, and to my philosophy. So uh, Kelsey, of course, makes my player pool, but I just – I don't see a world and I actually get up to pay 9K at tight end when I'm so keen on playing 4,700 and Chig all, all over the place. So that's just me. On the Broncos side, we've given all these guys a chance, right? I've given Javante Williams a chance, uh, Jerry Judy, Marvin Mims. They don't know what they're doing and neither do we. So it's just nothing I really need. And then over here, Baltimore Ravens at Arizona Cardinals. Can Lamar Jackson stay hot, quietly having an outstanding outstanding year it's just not pretty when you're watching it because not a lot of these big plays go to his receivers it's just to his tight end running backs and then lamar's run all over the place but hey if it ain't broke so lamar great play this week you're staying away from all these running backs and then zay flowers is your only pass catching option the prices kind of reflect that i mean it's Zay flowers at 6500 followed by bateman at 4900 lol and odell odell old man odell back home at 5400 they're just not doing anything so you know where the ball is going here. It's starting to become a pretty narrow fantasy team. Mark Andrews is priced at 7700 I just don't think you have any reason to be up there that high again, banking on a two, three touchdown game from him. But if you're drawn to it, you're drawn to it. <laughs> on the Cardinals side, there have been some options that have started to develop. And again, DeMarcado, he is going to be your value running back. Temptation of the week. you got to make your choice. Either he's a realistic option or you're completely marking him out and don't consider him again. They're going to start bleeding in that Damian Williams will probably see a little bit more of the playing time. I'm not buying it. He's already had two games to start cutting in there and he hasn't broken 20% snap share in either. It's been overwhelmingly DeMarcado's field. So I do kind of like him, although it's a terrible matchup. They're going to be down in this game. You're just praying that he gets you what you need to get by 5,600. 
that's that's some pretty sweet value. So I get it if you like him. And then Trey McBride has really been blocked by Zach Ertz the last two years or ever since Ertz was traded to the Cardinals. But Trey McBride, a young player, he won the equivalent of like the best tight end in college football award. The name of it's escaping me. Uh, so I do like Trey McBride again this week at 4,700. Just a great pairing option with Lamar Jackson, who you may be playing multiple Lamar lines. So it's nice to know you got your cheap built-in option on the other side there for some nice correlation as well. Okay, that is the Week 8 main slate. What a doozy. This is not a weird slate to me. This isn't a thin slate. This is just a fat old normal main slate. A lot of options. Definitely matchup based. Very matchup based. And you're going to have to grind if it's some of these bigger prize players in here. Those Rams receivers make it difficult. Alvin Kamara, 8,300 makes it difficult. A lot of guys that are big. The entire Eagles options are very difficult. So matchup based. But like I said earlier in the pod, start laying out all the, the game stacks you have. And once you build your base in your lineup, which is your quarterback and all his friends, then start trying to insert these other micro game stacks into each other, see what works, see, see what fits, and see how you cover everything in your player pool, and that will knife through a lot of the noise. So good luck this week, everybody. It's going to be a fun one. And that'll do it for today's episode. Make sure you catch us Tuesday morning after the Week 8 main slate is over. I will go over my lineups, and we'll do our takeaways, what we learned from this last slate again Like I said at the beginning of the show, make sure you are progressing every single week. Become better at DFS every week. That starts in a lot of ways with contest selection and bankroll management. So make sure you're staying close there. Let's get some wins. I am not in the winner's circle, at least on a big scale so far this season. So it's my time. I am ready to go. I am determined to sit down and put these bad boys together and pray that the DFS gods and Father Luck fly over me and scoop me up. Take me to the to the land of green. So uh, I, I have been resigned to accept that, you know, I will accept a third place finish this week. Just a third. You know, I've been living in the eighth to twelfth place finish all season. So just put me up on the on the other side other side of that that money and let's just see how it feels. So anyway, I hope you guys all have good luck this week and just make sure if you need any help again, follow me on the uh, the old Twitter X, whatever we're calling it, at player pool pod. Also, I'm on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. How many more social media sites are there? We'll get there eventually. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Player Pool Pods.